Welcome to Environmentally You, a podcast dedicated to the exploration of our direct relationship with our environments and ways in which we can cultivate a deeper connection and understanding of ourselves through the spaces in which we live out our daily lives. I am your host, Karina Ryder, and an environmental wellness practitioner, creative environments designer, and intuitive artist, specializing in sensorial storytelling and spiritual design. In realizing my life's purpose, I am now on a mission to help others by sharing my wisdom and guiding you in this area of your complete well-being. Shall we dive in? Hello, hello, hello. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you a bit more about who I am, my background in design, and the origins of my beliefs and understandings, which has resulted in the development of the co-creating, relationship-building, and wellness-supporting design methodology that I am here to share and explore with you on this podcast. I'd like to start off by saying... The creation of this methodology has been a lifelong process, one that continues to expand as I do. It is the connecting of the dots and putting together of the pieces of my life's journey thus far, along with my openness to communicate with and receive from the universe, the divine and all of its benevolent existence, which has revealed to me what I've come to realize is my soul's destiny, my life's purpose, the wisdom and magic that I have to give back to this world. It continues to be fueled by my passion and desire for even more knowledge and understanding about how this world works and how we humans are a fundamental participant of its design and vice versa. And here's the story behind it. So where does this journey begin? Well, with my birth, of course. Apparently, determined to come into this world on the spring equinox, I arrived three weeks later than expected. I was a happy and curious child, I was outdoorsy and creative, and I did things my way. Huh, imagine that. I haven't changed. Along with the horses, rabbits, and a cat that we owned, I befriended many of the wildlife that shared the property we had when I was a child, both plants and animals. And of course, I can't forget the gnomes and fairies and unicorns and dragons. I spent much of my time exploring the neighborhood in upstate New York where I grew up. I was raised during an era when kids played outdoors for hours on end, even alone sometimes. Although, I rarely felt alone. I think I've always had this awareness of the energies, the life force around me. And as I mentioned earlier, I've always known myself as a creative, an artist. You would have frequently found me playing with chalk or finger paints or learning how to use a hammer and nails to hold pieces of wood together to create the ideas in my mind into something visual, something tangible. And sometimes I constructed quite elaborate structures like hotels and even villages out of stones, leaves, twigs, and such for the gnomes who traveled through our yard and needed places to stay while visiting. 
I was also fortunate to attend a Montessori school until fifth grade, which offered an educational foundation that supports and even encourages these innate characteristics of mine. And thankfully, for the most part, my parents also embraced these curiosities and talents of mine. And although challenging in many ways, another parenting choice I am grateful for, they never pushed heavy religious beliefs and restrictions on me, instead giving me the freedom to explore and develop my own spiritual path, allowing me to discover my own faith. I have no doubt that my becoming an environmental wellness practitioner, creative environments designer, and intuitive artist was partially influenced by my parents and all of that that I was exposed to through their interests and endeavors. My father has been a graphic designer most of my life, and my mother has primarily worked in education and the health and wellness industries. It was around the age of 11, 12-ish, soon after my parents got divorced, and I moved from one home in a rural environment to two in urban neighborhoods, that I began spending my allowance at the crystal and metaphysics shops down the way from my father's apartment. This was when my exposure and curiosities of esoteric knowledge really stepped up a notch. It was also around this time my mother opened a health and wellness store. You know, vitamins, supplements, herbs, natural soaps, lotions, homeopathics, and that sort of stuff. This was also where I got my start designing window displays. And in general, this was a time in which I was coming into knowing myself as an artist choosing to do things like attending a summer art program instead of going to sports camp, and fashion and design were becoming more prevalent interests of mine. Like most, my teenage years were tough, but mine were not quite of the norm. This was when I was introduced to therapy. My mother had me seeing psychologists pretty regularly, and I even spent some time in a psychiatric center. Although only one of the therapists left any memorable impact, I like to think that a couple of them made a difference. But if not for any other benefit, these appointments further piqued my interest in gaining deeper psychological and metaphysical knowledge. After a few years as a rebellious troubled teen, I attempted attending community college as a business major because everyone knows going to school for art is a waste of time, right? Well, that didn't last very long. I'm here to be a creator, a visionary, not an accountant. But this was a great example of foolishly following the advice of others rather than pursuing my inner knowing. For me, this is a lesson that has returned more than once in my life. My advice is, don't always take my advice. Go with your knowing. Love it. Own it. Even if it turns out to be a mistake. This is why I've chosen to guide people through the process, rather than tell you how to design your world, your life, your reflection of you. I'm here to show you things you do not see now and offer you ways to improve yourself and the world around you. All right, a bit of a digression there. Back to this time of bad choices and wrong directions. There were a couple of wonderfully life-altering experiences during this time as an exchange student in Mexico and in Costa Rica. These are expeditions that deserve their own episode at some point. Not too long after this, I moved to California and I re-enrolled in school, but this time I did it my way. I chose to follow my inner calling. 
I'll figure it out as I go, was and still is my attitude. I've always been one to favor the philosophy that life is meant to be enjoyed. And assuming you're not out to hurt anyone, why not do what makes you happy and see where that takes you? Finally, an art studio major, and this time at Santa Barbara City College, one of the best city colleges in the country. And I mean that. I really did have some of the most amazing professors there. Ones who guided me in building the foundational understanding of the physical world around me from the perspective of a conscious creator, rather than someone just existing through life. And no, at the time I did not realize that they were assisting me in shifting my entire perspective and understanding of how the physical world functions. The wisdom they shared with me, the vocabulary, the theories, the methods, applications, and the history of the language in which the physical world speaks to us. From the basics like learning the color spectrum and its properties, to understanding color theory, to having discussions about color psychology and other scientific studies and insight. At the time I thought I was just learning the tools that I needed to become an accomplished artist, but I have come to learn these are also some of the functions, or parts of the language, so to speak, in which our world communicates directly to us as well. Similar to how we have the alphabet, words, grammar, sentence structure, and so on to communicate with each other. I once heard that the more words you know to describe a color, the more colors you actually notice. From my experience, this concept can go far beyond color and simply just personal observation. I think the more you know the language, or any means of communicating with something, the more of it you can experience, both in your own assessment and in the exchange. Essentially, you experience what you are aware of. And there's having awareness of the presence of something, as well as having the awareness of its effect or significance, and the energy and or knowledge exchanged in this. With that said, contrary to what many are taught, humans do have more than five senses. Most of the studies that I've read have claimed from 8 to 21, but some say even more. I'm sure I'll be sharing more on this in greater depth at some point. And if there's any experts out there who'd like to share your thoughts and have a discussion about this, please shoot me an email. Okay, back to my story. While in school, typically part-time for many years, I held jobs in retail and office administration. Well, until I learned to bartend. And as a bartender, I learned so, so much about people. Good thing I had experience with therapy. But actually it was while working in bars and clubs when I was introduced to event production and designing festivals and nightclubs, concerts and such. I began taking work as a set builder in mural painting. And then I fell into retail design. I really enjoyed being a display artist, but one of my biggest challenges was remembering, and caring for that matter, that the main focus in retail design is sales, not entertainment or self-expression. And that's precisely why something stuck out to me about my approach, and to a few of my bosses over the years as well. Visual storytelling wasn't quite the buzz phrase that it has become. The digital age, social media marketing, and online consumerism were not what they are today. Personal cell phones and home computers were just becoming a thing. 
Because of my intuitive knack for visual storytelling, my work was cohesive and projected storylines, creating an entertaining experience for the shopper. For example, while working for a luxury department store, I would create characters and narratives for the mannequins, then decide how to dress them and what postures to stand them in, creating a sense of interaction between them, rather than just standing them aimlessly staring out the window in cute little outfits. But for the purpose of sales, selecting outfits that are trendy and clearly viewable to the passerby was a bit more of a priority. Really, it seems quite logical that in realizing my gift in physically expressing stories, that I would become interested in designing sets for theatrical productions. And with that, I'd like to share one of my favorite personal stories about intention and manifestation. At this time, I had finally graduated with an associate's degree in studio art, and I was working as a display artist for a different multinational retail company. This was one of my favorite jobs I had held up to this point, but I couldn't shake the desire to get involved in not just the production, but actually designing live entertainment. Then one day, on my lunch hour, I ran into my neighbor who worked for the local news press. We got to talking and I mentioned my interest in learning more about becoming a scenic designer. She looked at me a bit odd and said, interestingly, there was a sticky note left on my desk this morning with the information for an ad to run in the arts and entertainment section, but an upcoming lecture to be given by a local scenic design professor. I'll send you an email about it. Some would call that a coincidence. I call it synchronicity, which has the potential for manifestation. Saturday rolled around and it was a very hot day. And at that time in my life, my vehicle was a beach cruiser bicycle. The event was just a few miles away, so no biggie. Now, only about four to five blocks into my ride, I got a flat tire. And guess what? No inner tube and no bike lock. Ah, looks like I'm walking from here and pushing a heavy ass cruiser. So then the question was, give up and go home? I'm just a few blocks away. Or keep going to the lecture? Eh, two miles or so to go. And hey, maybe somebody will come pick me and my bike up afterward. Mind you, this was pre-cell phone days. Okay, so I remember thinking that this may be my only opportunity for a while to get some real insight into my next desired career move and possibly make a connection in the industry. I also remember thinking, if I don't do this, the universe won't know how badly I want it. So I trekked on, got there 25 minutes late, dripping in sweat. Luckily, the lecture was an hour and a half long, so I had time to dry. When it was over, I went up to the professor as he was packing up his things, and I introduced myself and started asking away. He spoke with me for quite some time, which I greatly appreciated. But on the car ride home, yes, I used a payphone and got a ride. On the ride home, I was sad because he had told me, unless I opted to spend years working my way up as a set builder and stagehand, I'd need to get a bachelor's degree in theater. And at that time, I thought that would never happen. How would I ever be able to afford something like that? I had already struggled affording my education through City College. Well, 
This is how I know the universe took note of my strength and determination. Not too long after this, I had an injury while at work, and without all of the details, this led to spinal surgery and a lawsuit. Wait, what? Yes, and all of which eventually led to the support and finances that I needed to go on to university. Oh, the universe works in such mysterious ways. But obviously this didn't happen overnight. After months of recovery, I began attending classes at Santa Barbara City College again, meanwhile applying to universities. I was so eager to get started and stir-crazy from being immobile for so long. I took a few theater classes and participated in a few shows as stage crew, prop master, assistant stage manager, and even my first experience as scenic designer. Interestingly, for a comedy production called The Bible, The Complete Word of God, abridged, the opening scene, the first laugh, it was my set that made this happen, all from an apple that fell from a tree and rolled toward the audience. I was hooked. Anxious to learn all that I could while waiting to become an official theater major, I also took a couple of drafting classes, one of which my storytelling approach made an impact on. Most of the other students were interior design majors, and there were also a few construction and drafting students in the class. We were given an assignment to design a kitchen and then give a presentation on our process. I happened to be the last to present, and I was really nervous because no one else had approached the assignment like I did. I got up to the front of the class with my drawing front and center. I stood there and explained that before I even thought about the counter layout, where the doors and windows would go, the materials, and so on, I had to create a character a client, so to speak. I went on to share who the man in my drawing was, his occupation, his age, dating status, his hobbies and interests. It made no sense to me to design a kitchen based on what was trendy in the latest edition of Home and Garden. But once I had a story to tell and a reflection to mirror, that was when my kitchen came to life. Well, I managed to annoy the rest of the class because the professor thought what I did was brilliant. And she said that from then on, she was going to change how she conducted that lesson by incorporating the creation of a client first, then the kitchen design, because that's more aligned with how the design process works. All revved up and ready to go, I finally made it to UC Santa Cruz, also another fantastic school. So was it worth it? literally breaking my back for it? You know, I think so. This is where I truly honed my creative skills and advanced my research abilities as well as made progress in overcoming my stage fright. And guess what? A couple years later, I graduated cum laude with a BA in theater with an emphasis in scenic design. This also gave me a boost in confidence and self-worth that even gave me the willpower to quit smoking cigarettes. I never did pick up smoking again, but being that I graduated in 2008, the Great Recession, my confidence bubble was deflated a bit, pretty much right out of the gate when I struggled to find work after graduation. I couldn't believe it. In all of the history of Broadway, this was the first time they were literally shutting the doors and just ending productions. People were spending their money on Netflix and video games, but not so much on live entertainment. 
With rent and bills to pay, I needed a job. So I had to fall back on some of my other skills. And somehow, I ended up back at a psychiatric hospital. But this time as an employee, not a patient. You know how I mentioned earlier I'm not an accountant? Well, since I'm really good with numbers, systems, and problem solving, some people believe otherwise. Along with general office administrative work, I also directly assisted the financial controller with the bookkeeping. I worked there for two years. I was miserable. But while the economy was doing its thing, I learned a whole heck of a lot about psychology. I even pondered the idea of going back to school to study to be an art and drama therapist. But it was a conversation with a friend that led me to follow a different path. One that hadn't occurred to me yet. At the time, she worked as an office manager at a construction company. We were brainstorming new job opportunity ideas. Somehow the conversation took a turn and I started sharing how I've been an artist and creator since I was a child, building those villages for the gnomes. She responded, have you considered landscape architecture? No, no I hadn't. And the rest of the story will be continued in the next episode of Environmentally You. If you haven't already, I do encourage you to listen to episode one, the introduction. It's an overview of what this podcast is all about. Also, if you are a professional in a relative field who would like to add to this discussion and share your insight, opinions, and stories in becoming environmentally you, on or off this podcast, I would love to hear from you. And anyone who's interested in working with me directly, I invite you to book a consultation with me. Oh, one last thing. I'm curious. Did anyone catch the storyline I created in episode one? Spoiler alert, if you haven't already listened. It was inspired by the four elements, water, earth, fire, and wind. That was my first time creating a story by only using environmental sound. Oh, the things this podcast has challenged me to do and learn. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Environmentally You podcast. If you have questions or comments, and for those of you interested in working with me directly, I invite you to check out the website at www.environmentallyyou.com or contact me via email at connect at environmentallyyou.com. Also, you will find more Environmentally You content on Instagram and other social media sources in the near future. I do hope you will join me for the next episode of this podcast. And of course, I'd appreciate all of your follows, likes, bells, whistles, and whatnot. Have a wonderful week, and I wish you the most amazing adventure ahead, being environmentally you.